see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Through a good person, somebody might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were good enemies, I mean God's enemies, we were reconciled, reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have now been received reconciliation. I want to focus our attention today from the book of Romans, uh, 5th chapter, the 6th through 11th verse. And we want to look at just two verses, really, really in-depth, uh, the 6th verse and the ninth verse. Um, right time, right result. I won't ask for a show of hands because that would be telling in terms of uh, both our, 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 our age and probably our viewing preferences. But I, I, I must admit, I am of the age, and at the time I, I watched... Uh, the A-Team, uh, back in the 80s. Um, any, any, anybody want to witness or anybody want to confess? There you go. Mr. T, George Papard, a uh, few other folks. Uh, the A-Team. And what it was was a group of ragtag kind of mercenaries, a bunch of no-names, uh, ex-military folks, and they were always given an assignment. And... Um, you know, in the, in, the, in the magic of a week of programming, uh, they would always succeed in the assignment. And they would always win. They, you know, the good guys always win, right? You know, they always win. And they would always win. And at the end, George Papard, uh, Colonel uh, Hannibal, Hannibal Lechner, uh, he would uh, light up a cigar. That was his victory cigar, kind of like a Gatorade bath that they would do with coaches today in football. Uh, he would light a cigar... And he would just chomp on it, and he says, I love it when a plan comes together. I just love it when a plan comes together. See, there's, there's something very satisfying. There's something very satisfying when, when all of our work, all of our activities come together. It, it's, 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 you, you go to college. You, you graduate high school. You go to college. Uh, you get a job offer. You get the six-figure salary. Um, somebody signed me up. Uh, you, 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 you meet the person that you think you really love, and it's, it's, meant, and it's meant to be forever, and, and, and you just love it when a plan comes together. But unfortunately, life, uh, if you live where I live, life isn't that way. Be it jobs, relationships, or for those of you who maybe purchased a lottery ticket, uh, you know, uh, plans don't always come together plans don't always work out the way we would like to see them work out. And so here in this, in this portion of scripture, Paul writes to the church at Rome, and in the fifth chapter, and in the sixth verse, he writes, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay, we know the you, it's the first century Christians in Rome, but what's the right time? Who's the we? Who's this Christ dying? Who's the ungodly? 
See, the church, like a lot of people today, like a lot of countries, like a lot of individuals, like a lot of families, the church at the time was going through a great deal of upheaval. Uh, what was happening was that the, the church came out of Judaism. It came from the Jews. And so because of persecution, a lot of the Jews had to flee Rome. And so in their absence, uh, non-Jewish Christians came in and took roles and responsibilities. And so now things have settled down a little bit. And so there's this schism in the body of Christ in Rome about who's supposed to do what and who's in charge of what and who's, who's got this responsibility. Who, you know, it, and, and so Paul, rather than a lot of times we look at Romans and we think it's a, a dissertation on what it means to be Christian in the sense that we look at it as a, a, as a treatise, as an encyclopedia. Well, let me, let me go look at this chapter and verse. It, what it is, it's a, an apostle writing to real people with real issues in the first century that couldn't get along. That's what it's about. So the, the whole takeaway from that whole book is that Paul is emphasizing what it is that makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. So when you look at uh, things like present your body a living sacrifice, remember what I'm sharing with you now. Oh, he's talking about first century Christians that were having difficulty getting along with one another. See, what makes us one, what unites us is our Father. See, you are my brother, you are my sister, not because by birth, but because we are united by our DNA, if you will, our Christian DNA. That's why Peter writes in his first, first letter, second chapter, ninth verse, you are a chosen race is the word that he uses. See, you are a chosen race because race was a premium back in those days. It's like, hey, if you're a Roman, if you're Greek, you know, hey, that, that meant a whole lot more than uh, uh, being from the lineage of Mark Meeks. And Paul and Peter said then, and Paul is saying now, look, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. You've got it all. The things that you think are important aren't really important. What makes you important is who you're tied to. What makes, what unites you is who you are tied to. So Paul is writing to remind them both of who they are and whose they are. And at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. It's like he was saying also uh, to the church at Galatia, fourth chapter, fourth verse. But when the fulfillment of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman and born under the law. See, the Romans had done a lot of things, just like, just like culture today. The Romans had done a lot of things and created a certain level of peace and tranquility, so to speak. There was peace at one level, but there was a whole lot of non-peace going on. So the Romans were in charge, but the Greek culture reigned supreme. The Jews are looking for a Messiah. The, all types of things are going on. Sounds like 21st century, uh, even right now. So Paul cuts through all of the, the cultural, the civic, the religious noise, and puts his finger on the key point. See, it was the right time in terms of history, and it was the right time in terms of the people looking for an answer to the problems of their life. I don't know. Maybe that's not where you live, but that's definitely where I live. See, that's as, see, see because if I, if I had it all together... Or if I had uh, the ability to live a sin-free life, then why would I need God? 
Why would I need a savior? See, that's why, that's why the psalmist nailed it hundreds of years ago. The Lord looks down from heaven and on mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Here's the answer. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Well, man, alive. As I, as I, as I continue to share, well, I didn't kick the dog. You know, I, I, you know, I showed up on work. I was only five minutes late. You know, so that's kind of on time. Don't those things mean something? Well, they, they mean something. But in terms of our relationship with God, that, see, 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 if I'm God, if, if, it, it, I know, I know, I know. Think of your children. Think of your children. For those of you who have children, if you don't, imagine them. Or, 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 or look at those that do and then and, and just, just look. Your child does something, breaks something, and what do they do? I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. They may even try and offer restitution. They may even try, well, well here, here, okay, okay, all right, I forgive you. All right, that's good. Give them a few weeks, give them a few days, it'll happen again. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Here, let me, let me, let me fix it, I'm sorry. And, and after a while, as, I, as I've shared with you before, I share again uh, with my, my, my eldest daughter growing up, I, say, I, I said, you know, it just got to the point of frustration. I said, I'm, I'm tired of you being sorry. I, you know, it's like, I, I appreciate the apology, but there's no change in the behavior. You're just, well, I'm sorry, it's supposed to just wipe it all clean. It's supposed to uh, fix the vase, or it's supposed to uh, rectify the bad grade or the bad behavior. See, even when we would tire of behavior, and it doesn't do anything about the relationship. That's why the writer of the Hebrews said in the 10th chapter, see, this is the writer through, as, as in the words of Jesus. See, see God is in this, the same way. It's, it's, you know, I don't, I'm God. I don't need sacrifices. I want you to sacrifice back in the day, I, but that was to guide you to a relationship with me. So he said, instead, these sacrifices are a reminder of sin every year because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, you didn't want a sacrifice or an offering, but you prepared a body for me. You weren't pleased with entirely burned offerings or sin offerings. See? So then I said, look, I have come to do your will, God. This has been written about me in the scroll. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He came to die on our behalf. See? His life wasn't taken. We don't have to, well, you know, the Jews did that. It's like, no. Christ said, Jesus said, no one takes my life. I lay my life down. I'm giving my life. I'm, this, I'm using their evilness, I'm using their behavior to accomplish what I was going to do anyway. I'm almost done. So this is what um, the prophet said hundreds of years ago. He was pierced because of our rebellions, crushed because of our crimes. He bore the punishment that made us whole. By his wounds we are healed. And with his death, we are presented with a great opportunity so that's why Romans 5 and 9 reads, Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Incredible love. Incredible love. 
John 3, 16. We can all probably recite it by memory. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes on him won't perish, won't suffer eternal loss, but will have everlasting life. Huh, that's interesting. It's just that simple? Yeah, it's just that simple. It's, it's just that simple. See, but, but we make it hard because we think that, well, I, I can say that, but there's got to be something else because there are those periods of time when I just don't feel that love relationship. See, it's not predicated on you feeling anything. It's predicated on whose child you are. So, whereas I might get tired of my daughters or my son or whoever breaking a, breaking a vase and apologizing and breaking a vase and apologizing, God never tires of that. God's perfect plan came together in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. So, to borrow from Hannibal Lechner, or Smith. Hannibal Smith, don't want to borrow from Hannibal Lechner. <laughs> don't want to borrow from Hannibal Lechner. God loves it when his plan comes together. He absolutely loves it when his plan comes together. See, 1 John, as you've been with us, 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. You want to know what a, a, a textbook definition of love is? This is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us. For us, and I, I am convinced, I am absolutely convinced, I shared it Good Friday, if I were the only person in need of a Savior, if I were the only person in need of a Savior, I firmly believe that God would have sent his son for Mark. But I know you because you look like me, and I know you need a Savior too. And so he came and he died for us, all of us. See, love is the voluntary, the voluntary placing of our welfare in place of others. See, that's what love is. See, and that's how come we have it. Uh, we, we, see, we think love is a sentiment. You know, it's all, you know, kind of this fuzzy, um, this fuzzy, you know, Hallmark Channel uh, kind of thing. You know, it's just, you know, and they're, they're kind of cool during Christmas, I guess, some of those hokey uh, uh, shows during Christmas time. Uh, but, but that's not love. That's, that's, that's whatever it is. It's not love. Love is being inconvenienced and being okay. Love is, there's only, love is when your spouse brings you two bags of potato chips. This is love. Your spouse brings you two bags of potato chips. One is an awful tasting bag, and the other one is a good tasting bag. He or she asks, she asks, uh, which one do you want? And I pick the awful tasting bag because I know she wants the good tasting bag. That's what love is. That's what love does. See, oh, well, you know, that's just potato chips. That's, well, that's, sometimes that's the best we can do as people. And sometimes we don't even get that far. Oh, what do you want to watch TV? I don't want to watch that here. Give me the remote. It just, it's, it's the little things. It's the little foxes that destroy the vine. But Christ, when we were yet sinners, when we were yet sinners, died for us. That's incredible. That, that's, not only did he take the bad bag of potato chips, um, he took the cross. He took the cross. I am so eternally grateful for my Savior, your Savior, Jesus the Christ. Let's pray.